Beautiful island of Jersey. And for those of you going out to greet arriving passengers, we found due to a particularly nasty incident, it's best to wait for the propellers to come to a complete stop. Morning, Faith. Morning, Michael. How much time do I have to the next flight? Well, it's your airline, Michael. You can leave any time you like. Noel, I need you at the ticket desk. Morning, Roy. Gosh, did you see that, Faye? This thing works like a charm. Mikey! Do you know this man? I'm afraid so. He's my brother, Roy Biggins, Steve Hackett. Get him out of my sight. Steve! Helen? Helen Chapel? Oh, my God, you look fantastic. <laughs> You've lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I have not. Maybe a pound or two. Also. Hi there. You've tuned into Wings Nuts, the program that talks about every episode of classic 90s sitcom Wings. On behalf of our team, I'd like to welcome you with a hearty What's up? I'm Jared, and I'd like to welcome Emerson. <laughs> How are you doing, Emerson? Good. How are you doing, Jared? Fantastic. Thank you. Today we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 4 of Wings, entitled Sports and Leisure. The original air date was October 19th, 1990. And Sports and Leisure was a category in Trivial Pursuit, right? Yeah, and I, I thought that was so smart because they did a little sports and they did a little leisure, fishing mm -hmm. and Trivial Pursuit. Oh, yeah. It kind of felt like a bottle episode to me because no no guest stars, just the main cast, really on their main sets, and including Helen's house. So yeah, kind of cool. You want to hit us with that uh, IMDb description? Well, why don't you read the IMDb synopsis, and I'll read my more convoluted one. Ooh, did you write a custom boutique uh, synopsis of your own? Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear it. So the IMDb description keeps it short and sweet. It reads as, Roy invites himself into the group's social circle. And I actually wow. wrote short and sweet after, because I also <laughs> copied and pasted it. And then I wrote, only really an A story. The group, which is apparently everybody except Roy, Joe, Brian, Lowell, Helen, and Faye, have social plans outside the airport. Faye keeps inviting Roy. At first, they just live with it. But when they come back from a fishing trip soaked, Pranked by Roy, they've had enough. But Faye has done it again, inviting Roy to board games at Faye's house. Joe decides to say something, and Joe, with Brian in tow, attempts to uninvite Roy by letting him off the hook. This leads to Roy having a sobbing fit when he realizes that when he realizes that he is unwelcome. When they attempt to reinvite Roy, he won't have it. Later, though, he slinks back and admits to Joe that he has trouble being popular and socializing with people. Joe gives him advice about being nice to people. Roy agrees, and Joe invites the man back to board game night. At board game night, the man finally has enough, and with the man's idiocy storming off, proclaiming that he can get along without the group and having to be nice to fit in, when he comes back to grab his pasta salad bowl, he confirms that he will see them at Joe's barbecue on Saturday or Sunday. I try to do a few 
a few of the mans because that matches the IMDb description from last week. <laughs> yeah, that was a very great synopsis, but I'd I'd love to hear you read it like the um, little boy who wrote last week's IMDb synopsis. I'll just read part of it. Only really an A group. The group, which is apparently all the men except for Roy, including Helen and Faye, have plans outside of the airport. Faye keeps inviting the man. At first, they just live with it. But then when they come back from fishing uh, wet and soaking wet, pranked by the man, uh, they are not happy about it. And then Faye, the woman, has done it again, inviting the man to board games. And then, I don't know. And then, and then he yeah. said, and then. And this episode was again directed by Noam Pitlick. And this one was written by series one of the series creators, David Engel. And oh, okay. we. Yeah, we highlighted in the past how he unfortunately died on 9-11 in one of the planes that crashed into the towers. Um, but I thought we could highlight one of his other credits, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. I discovered through his IMDb that he produced a little show for the BBC called Wings. Oh? Yeah. So he, evidently he crossed the pond to make a... They, it's listed as a TV movie. I think they only made one. And I found that it only had a single broadcast date on the BBC in 1996. Okay. All I could find was a single clip of the pilot episode. And it has dialogue and action kind of mashed together from both the season one and season two openings. And there's very few changes. Like I think Joe's name has changed. And some and Lowell's name has changed, but it's seen, it's very similar. It's still called uh, Sandpiper Air. The set's really interesting, and it's quite fascinating to hear these beloved characters um, speaking in a in, in British brogues. Oh, Alan, in it? Oh, you used to be fat, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Had a bit too much fish and chippy. <laughs> and uh, once again, producing is Roz Doyle. Roz Doyle. And then we don't have any guest guest stars on no this No guest stars. So we yeah. didn't have to dig deep into the IMDb. Uh, before we get into news and stuff, I have a surprise for you, Emerson. Okay. It is the season, so I got you a little Christmas gift. Oh. Let me hold it up here for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what Jared is holding up for me is the Friends logo <laughs> underneath the portrait of the Wings cast. <laughs> That's so good. Where did you find that? I, f I found it online. Like, I actually went looking for it. Like, I, I said, I'll bet someone has made this. I imagined it in my head, and I actually mm -hmm. found it. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, next time I see you in person, I'll put that in your hands. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so uh, jumping into news, once again, we have read the newspapers of the day, the day being October 19th, 1990. So first, from the local Nantucket Inquirer and Mirror, I have a headline, Travel Air Folds Its Wings, Owing $1,500 to Airport. So basically, there's a small airline, not unlike Sandpiper Air, and mm -hmm. it went bust, and it owes a bunch of money to the airport. So the air commission, airport commission is planning to shut them down until they pony up. That isn't that much money. 
<laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. The 1990 economy was was that a lot of money? I, I for a like corporation that owns real things like airplanes, I would still think not. Like Sandpiper Arrow might be devastated by it. I, I think it would hurt Joe to mm-hmm. go into his pockets for fifteen hundred bucks, but I'd like to think they'd be able to manage to stay in business. Yeah, I think so. The airport, I guess, charges a fee for like each passenger that's on a plane. This company had built up these fees and never pay and didn't pay them, and so that's where the impasse was. That's almost like um, because I know that some salons, you know, will will rent you a chair. Like if you're a barber and I don't know, I, I think sometimes it works where you're just like paying a flat fee, but I think other times it might work where you're paying like a fee per customer. I've, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting idea. It makes sense. Like the better the business does, the more you pay up. As long as like the airport's also doing its part to, you know. Yeah. Well, I've got one from, from the, that paper. Who's who in the schools? Zakaro joins fifth grade team by Linda King, staff writer. Trekking through Washington, D.C. with 71 fifth graders was a good way for new teacher Donna Zuccaro to get acquainted with both her students and colleagues, especially when half of the city's landmarks were temporarily shut down. And this is just an article in the paper about a fifth grade teacher that got hired on. You gotta love small communities. Recently, Zuccaro's 18 students read Sign of the Beaver, a story about American Indians that Zuccaro incorporated into her history lesson. It's about designing learning experiences that they can relate to. <laughs> Donna Zaccaro, we salute you. <laughs> also, Sicario, I salute that. That's a good movie. Okay, skipping over to the Boston Globe. The first headline mm-hmm. I cold reads, Iraq offers to sell oil at $21 a barrel. We're still in the on-ramp to the first uh, Persian Gulf conflict. And this was cited as a move to tried to divide the coalition of nations building against Iraq, but the quotes from officials doubt the efficacy of this uh, effort by Saddam. They, ma- they continue to mount up the pressure towards going to war. However, uh, France and the then still existing Soviet Union are, were cited as asking to allow for more time for the sanctions to take effect. So we're still in that pre-Persian Gulf conflict period. I didn't realize that like we like that it didn't start already. No, I think it starts in January. And like okay. we're in that in that time before every any conflict where there's a lot of kind of build building up the excitement and you know that's where our politicians and media were at this time. Do you know what's best for America? <laughs> yes. <laughs> On page 4 there is an advertisement from Bile Felines, sorry. <laughs> it's like split between two pages, mm. so. Feline. Felines? Like cats? No, it's uh, Filines. F-I-L-E. So some of the things that are for sale at this sale, uh, we got Mrs. Outerwear. We have Better Sportswear. We have Fine Jewelry. Young Attitudes. My favorite, Moderate Sportswear. <laughs> Women's World. Petite Dresses, juniors, those are pretty normal, but moderate, <laughs> moderate sportswear made me laugh. Yeah, I'm, I, I kind of took you for an extremist sportswear kind of guy. Hey, Jared, who gave you the go ahead to wear moderate sportswear to work today? <laughs> I thought it was a uh, moderate Friday. Uh, what else you got? I got this headline. Soviet diplomacy in Gulf is said to have U.S. support. So you got this uh, Soviet emissary. I will pronounce this wrong. Yevgeny 
Primakov met with Saddam Hussein, and then he spoke to the U.S., and here's a quote from him. We should look for some possibilities to avoid, from my point of view, the military clashes, but do not reward Iraq, of course, with its actions. The U.S. Secretary of State, uh, James Baker, James A. Baker at this time, he kind of flexed with a hard line, and uh, here's his quote. No, we've said that we don't think a partial solution is acceptable. We think it would be an extraordinarily bad principle to set here as we're trying to deal with this first crisis of the post-Cold War era and that we should not succumb to the siren song of partial solutions. So James Baker taking a hard line there. You know, Baker was an insider in the Reagan administration. He was a big-time Bush boy. He went on to advise George W. Bush on the next Iraq War, the sequel, um, and he was also part of the Iraq study group. Wow. In an alternate universe, diplomacy won out, and we didn't have decades of war with Iraq in the region. Right. And, um, yeah, those big military uh, corporations wouldn't be a little bit richer. Yes. Uh, on page... 13 i found um a computer for sale oh it's 1749.98 and i just thought it was interesting to like see what you got for that like the picture you see like oh i wonder if it even says what the monitor size is (laughs) but if i had to guess i would say like maybe like seven inches (laughs) nine inches um but yeah the description of it is premiere 386SX computer with 111 megabyte hard disk drive. A powerful, fast computer offering more memory, speed, storage, and easy operation. Just a few reasons why this computer is perfect for your workspace. It features a 16 megahertz, uh, 803865SX processor, 1 megabyte RAM, expandable to 8 megabytes. 16-bit VGA graphics support plus 3.5-inch and 5.25 high-density floppy disk drives combined with 111 megabyte hard drive hard disk drive for fast data retrieval. Five expansion slots, one parallel and two serial ports, including VHS. Whoa, include oh includes VHS setup video. One-year on-site in-home service at no additional cost. Wow, how many megabytes of RAM did that have? Um, I think one. Wow. I thought I heard 100 uh, something. One megabyte RAM. Wow. Expand, expandable to eight megabytes. Yowza. Yeah, so you could splurge and put more uh, more RAM in there. I, and how much did that cost? 1750 That takes me back. Like, because I don't know about you, but my family, we didn't get a computer until I was like uh, 16 or so. Do you remember your first experience with a computer? We had this like Texas Instruments thing that looked like a, a key, like a thicker keyboard and that would plug into the TV and you could do very basic like, I think, I think it truly was basic, like 10 space, go to 20, whatever, 20 print, something or other. Mm-hmm. And we barely used it really. Like I think my dad, someone gave it to my dad when, when we were kids. But beyond that, like, I didn't have a computer in the house until, like, the late 90s. Yeah. Like, I was already, like, maybe, like, I was, like, 16 or 17 as well. Those were my deep dive articles. Um, Mm -hmm. I noticed, just of note, is that the Senate passed the budget that we were speaking of last week. 
Okay. And they had that budget crisis. It looks like they're out of the woods on that. And um, and, and another article highlighted that Israel is announcing that they are building more settlements in the West Bank. But that's about all I have for news this week. Well, I went to Names and Faces on page 34. <laughs> and this is a kind of like little entertainment blurbs. Yeah. The first article, there's a picture of Donnie Wahlberg from the New Kids on the Block wearing a hat that says no more games and he's waving to fans. He's got a little bit of a mustache and a gold chain with like a big medallion on it next to like uh, a couple of sour looking Bostonians. One guy's a cop. The other guys, who knows a dream come true for the new kids word quickly spread on Lansdowne street. New kids on the block were filming their first video set in Boston. It's called no more games. Shouted Joe McIntyre as he moved into the Venus de Milo Club, where the dance scenes were shot with about 150 fans as extras. We were mixing some old songs with new raps and vocals, said Danny Wood, resplendent in a crushed velvet jacket and a Yo! MTV Raps t-shirt. The idea of the video is we're all meeting up in a, in a club. <laughs> the video is timed for release with a, with a new remixed album of old hits and a November-December tour which includes stops in uh, Worcester and Providence. I'm Worcester, but I think you say Worcester. Worcestershire. Their music is getting more rappish, more street, said John Messina of Studio TCB. It was always our dream to do a video in Boston, said Donnie Wahlberg in a Malcolm X jacket. <laughs> <laughs> With the Hancock building behind us, all our friends. As for the kids' new image, uh, Woods added, we're not clean-cut kids anymore. Just positive people from Dorchester. So I watched the music video, which we obviously cannot <laughs> include a music video, but it's wonderful. But I want to read like at least the beginning of it because it starts off with Donnie Wahlberg in that Malcolm X jacket. And he's going, no more games is about positivity. And positivity is not about being soft. It's about being smart. You sucker. <laughs> funky. Yeah. We're going to send this one out to all those non-believers out there who've been trying to put us down and keep us down for the past five years. I'm going to tell you what, we ain't going out like that. You think this is a love song? Wrong. The NKOTP is too strong. Positivity is not about being soft. It's about being smart, you sucker. <laughs> I don't remember that, that hard-ass phase of New Kids on the Block. They did like their... I think an album called New Kids on the Block, and mm -hmm. then their big hit was Hangin' Tough. Yeah. And then they did Step by Step, and I Please think somewhere Please Don't Go Girl. In, that was my yeah. jam. Somewhere in there, they did um, a Christmas album. But then I think, like, around Step by Step, as they were starting to get, like, a lot of, like, uh, pushback. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this song is, like, their, you know, like, how Michael Jackson did Leave Me Alone? Yeah. This is like yeah. their version of that, where it's like, stop making fun of us, which is also <laughs> like, as a, if I was a bully, I'd be like, I'm going to make fun of you more. Wow. Because the song goes, somebody said something wouldn't last too long. Somebody keeps going strong. <laughs> oh, and then like Jordan Knight has got a part. We're just singing a song. <laughs> <laughs> games, 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 games. Yeah, I gotta dig deeper in the NKOTB uh, catalog. Hit it, Alright, that does it for news. Are we ready to talk 
this episode of Wings Sports and Leisure. Oh, yeah. I got some bad news for you, Emerson. What's up? Sandpiper Air is grounded due Ugh. to a shot nose wheel strut. They won't be getting the parts till Wednesday. And that nose wheel strut, that's what allows them to land. <laughs> I wonder, you know, like what incident led them to determine, like, was there like a shaky landing? Was it like loose? Maybe they do like a maintenance check after every every flight and Lowell with his keen eyes spotted a nose wheel strut going out. Lowell with his Zen and the art of airplane maintenance. <laughs> you know, Joe is bummed and we got Roy coming up just relishing Joe's misery. Kaching, kaching. That dance is like my favorite part of the whole episode, I think. Because yeah. he, he like does this kaching kaching describing the sound of uh his happy cash register. <laughs> yes, because he he'll be absorbing the the grounded sandpiper air passengers, I guess. Yeah, like Joe Joe's like, Yeah, Roy, so we'll probably be like sending some uh passengers your way. And Roy's just like such a total dick about it. Oh oh uh, oh yeah, will you really? Uh um Kaching, kaching, kaching. That's the sound of my happy catcher just there happily accepting your, uh, whatever your loss is. Oh, that's the sound of the happy Aromas cash register. Kaching, kaching, kaching. Always being a dick. Others in the gang kind of see the silver lining in it. We got Helen and Brian and Faye. Brian, wearing the same tie as last episode. Brian's tie report. The one thing I can say, though, is that we, we get a much better view of it. Yes. Like, and you it, can really see, like, it's a spur hanging from that boot. You could tell it was a cowboy boot this time, definitively. Yes. And yeah. I saw the 49 more clearly, too. Like, yeah. I agree with you that I think it is a lasso, but it's spelling 49. And I think we can probably, like, take a better screenshot of that and use that. Mm -hmm. Post that on uh, our Instagram. We only get one tie, and it is a repeat tie, but I kind of appreciate that they are repeating wardrobe because one thing that always bothered me about sitcoms is, like, it seems like no one ever wears the same outfit twice, and it just makes me feel shame that I that I wear the same pair of jeans five days in a row and have, <laughs> yes. you know, have, like, four T-shirts I rotate and... You know, it's not very humble of these sitcom characters to constantly have an updated wardrobe. They're, what are they, MC Hammer, who famously, before he went bankrupt, said um, that he never wears the same outfit twice. <laughs> really? Because you know, remember how he like lived a little bit too large like in the late 80s, early 90s? Oh, yeah. Went, went bankrupt, and then I'm sure that he's doing great now. But like a couple of the things that they were blaming was like he bought like an extravagant house up there, up in Oakland, maybe? Because mm -hmm. he's from Oakland. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure of like if that's where he bought his mansion. Um, but he was also, I mean, the dude was like really going all out and like just giving money to his, to his whole, all, all of his fr friends and family. Yeah. But I got to say that Hammer flaunting his fame and fortune kind of hurts me. Please, Hammer, don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> So as you were saying, Helen and Brian are happy that the plane's grounded. They're both doing the, yes, yeah, yeah, because they plan. They're planning like a back, a plan B, a fishing trip for that day. Yeah, and it does come across as kind of shitty. Like, you know, Joe's like, "Mom, my business is failing," and they're both just like, "Yes." <laughs> mm-hmm. And then initially, Brian's sitting there reading the paper. I couldn't tell what paper he was reading, but. 
Oh yeah, I didn't really yeah, dig goes, into that. Yeah, he's like, yes, and Joe is like upset that Brian is is happy with his misfortune, and then uh, Brian's just like, uh, oh no, I. Uh, I just managed to realign my shorts with no hands. <laughs> yeah. Faye and Helen do manage to convince Joe, hey, the, the it's going to be grounded, so why don't you come with us? Let's go all go out on Lowell's boat fishing tomorrow. Then we get uh, quite a Looney Tunes moment. It, it uh, kind of reminded me of Stymie in the Little Rascals remake movie. I never watched that. It's it's a it's an essential film. Yeah, uh, Lowell uh, walks in. You know, Joe's talking about how Lowell takes this nose wheel strut seriously. He's not just going to abandon this crisis to uh, let you guys go fishing. And then Lowell walks in with a fishing rod in his hand and the uh, hook stuck to his the back of his pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like coveralls. He's got like a tool belt. Like a leather tool belt, but they're pretty much like just coveralls, like mechanics type of hook to the back of the of the shirt area. The only way I could see that happening is if he was like practicing his casting in the hangar, mm-hmm. which would be ridiculous. <laughs> For a man that lives on a boat, he doesn't seem uh, too good at fishing. I wrote, I am so disappointed that we don't get to see Lowell's boat. Everybody like is like cheersing. What like when Joe announces that the plane's not gonna get replaced in time, mm-hmm. get fixed in time, and then um they reveal to Joe that like they're planning a plan B, which is fishing trip on Lil's boat, as you said already. Oh, like then Roy comes out, doing his kaching kaching kaching, and then he asks like, "What's everybody uh happy about?" And Faye's like, "Oh, we're doing a fishing trip. Do you want to come?" Yes. <laughs> which of course everybody starts panicking. Because they do not want Roy to come along on their social expedition. They give Faye the major stink eye. I love that like late that Faye kind of walks this line of just being so welcome in their group, mm-hmm. but but like being so clueless about what they like who they feel is welcome. And but she kind of does have a good rapport with Roy, I would say, more so than some of the others. Yeah. Even though like even though Roy can be kind of addicted to her, like a uh, you know what? What is this? The meaning of the mindless and making mm-hmm. like co- comments, and they have that they butt heads about the whole owl thing. That's that's all true, but at the same time, Faye like seems like she kind of lets things roll off of her or lets bygones be bygones. Even though we see her hold a grudge later in this episode, right in this scene, because yeah. um she's offering to like to like bring food for the fishing trip, and Helen goes, "Oh, that's great! Yeah, sandwiches. You can just make sandwiches." <laughs> Introducing like an idea like that's probably an easy thing, and Faye's like. Make sandwiches. I was just gonna pick up salad from the deli, <laughs> yes. which I thought was also kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> and um, she's like, "But I guess like if I have to make sandwiches," and like immediately goes into just like a big shower, shower like thoughts mode of being like, "Well, I guess I make sandwiches, whatever." Uh, yeah. Do you want ham and Swiss or turkey? Oh, ham and Swiss. Oh, sure. Pick the pick the difficult one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how difficult is it to put ham and Swiss on a piece of bread? I got to see Faye's ham and Swiss sandwiches and learn why these are so difficult. I mean, we do see, uh, we later get to see Roy's uh, pasta, is it pasta salad? Yes, and he, crucially, he leaves his dill on the side to put it on top after it's heated up. Based on Faye's appreciation of like, like you know, that gourmet move, maybe she's doing some gourmet stuff with that sandwich as well. Her her picnic basket later on was looking kind of nice. 
Also, it's like funny that she's offended that Ellen suggests sandwiches and says something like, "Like, why don't you make sandwiches? You're up to your, you whatever. You're up to your shoulders your and cold cuts all day. <laughs> yeah, is it up to your ears? Yeah. Which is kind of kind of uh, a little bit of a dick move. Like, if you spend your whole day cooking, I'm not gonna be like, "Hey, do you mind doing some more cooking? Mm-hmm. Some extracurricular cooking for me? It's not like Helen is like like that's her passion. In fact, she's made it very very clear that. She does not want that to be like what she's known for. Yeah, the next scene is the airport the very next morning. Right. So they're it's like bright and early. They're there. Um everybody is like super sleepy. Um so uh, Helen's making coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh Brian asks for Joe's key so he can grab the sunblock. And then um Joe is wearing like almost like a cargo vest. Well, Brian at one point calls him old bean, but Joe looked to me totally like LL bean. He had a, uh, yeah, that cargo vest with all these pockets for different, uh, fishing accoutrements. What does old bean mean? Uh, I, th- I, I think really it's just a, that. like a term of an affection for, you know, uh, a good, a good friendly gentleman. And then when Joe like pats a few pockets and can't find the keys right away, Brian says something like, Never mind, I'd rather burn than like watch this whatever. Yes. Which yes. I like took offense to. You cannot let that get in the way of you putting on sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, and we do know that Brian does have some in the car. So unless they're planning to walk to the boat, I mean they're gonna be back in the car. He can probably just slap on some sunscreen then. I guess so. Why didn't they just meet at the pier? <laughs> Yes. Well, because, you know, like you said, we didn't get to see Lowell's boat, so they just didn't have the budget for that extra set. We know we know, sh- shooting on water can be quite expensive. Right, right. Which is actually what I was going to say is that, like, I mean, just about the water, is that, like, as a, as a redhead, as someone that burns really easily, being around water is, like, the worst sunburns you're ever going to get. Because mm-hmm. I think there's something about, like, the way that um, sunlight is refracted by by, like, the l- water. That mm-hmm. you're just getting like extra exposure, snow, and water are like oh, the yeah. two, the t- two surroundings that will like burn you to death. And then Roy walks in. Yes, to everyone's sur- surprise. Yeah, he had he had initially turned them down for the fishing trip. They go like, Roy, what are you doing here? And he goes, Oh, you did invite me, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got his boombox with them. Yes. A little battery powered uh, <laughs> dual cassette kind of deal that was looking nice to me and he and he has a uh, the collected discography of slim whitman yeah i got Nobody. 75 as greatest hits yeah not Thanks, available really. in stores you know do you know who slim whitman is yeah he's um you know he has some songs that are like in commercials he's an old-timey guy uh like i uh, was completely unfamiliar i want to say like he's in the hank williams wheelhouse but he also was like kind of a little bit of country a little bit of pop Americana kind of jams. Okay, so someone he could maybe be great. Yeah, if you put him on a playlist, you'll recognize some of the songs from like movies and TV commercials and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny how it'll be very popular to make fun of something for a moment. Yes. And like, like I wonder if Slim Whitman was in that pocket or if like they just chose a random name. I think it's like Roy is old and out of touch a little bit kind of thing sure it'd be like me showing up and being like uh hope you guys like 
early REM. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I hope you guys like, uh, well, cause those are all Sonic youth. I mean, those are, although that's me saying that those are all really cool. Yes. Maybe, maybe that is like me being out of touch. Yeah. It could, it could be if you're, if we're showing up to a party with 20 year olds. The problem though, is that nowadays music, like old music is way too accessible. And there's almost this kind of like level of, scholarliness about yes. being yeah. familiar with like a lot of kind of old more eccentric music and so it's not going to be as much like god the late 90s was such a great example of like mm-hmm. people only wanted to hear what was hot and new and so it was like you no turn that up i want to hear my new metal no turn mm-hmm. that up i want to hear my swing revival no turn that up i want to hear my orange county punk ska and people had their lane, and they did not like to diverge from their lane. But You're right. You're right. Kids today, they have all the music ever created, and I, I think you're right there. They will indulge like different styles and sounds, more so than our generation was willing to do. We totally s- skipped over Brian's entrance into the airport when it's just him and Helen at the beginning of this scene. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I Brian walks in like a sleepwalking zombie and kind of terrifies Helen a little bit because he's almost like approaching her as if he's going to grope her in a zombie way, kind of. So I wrote the sleep, the sleepwalking bit would be more innocent if Brian wasn't previously established as being a bit of a creepo. <laughs> and she's just running away. Brian, Brian, no. And he he follows her all the way to the office. She slams the door, and I, I did. I, I I I did like how he was like bumping into the door, like like unwittingly mm-hmm. as a zombie. And she opens the door, and he does like a pratfall, head over heels. You see his feet go up in the air. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, like, and, and I thought it was really fun. It was like mm-hmm. one of those things where, based on preconceived notions, I was like assuming it, it to be more creepy than it was. And then Faye makes a comment. Like she comes in, and she's like really tired and she says i was up half the night cooking <laughs> like are you baking that bread are you like are you like cooking the ham and then um cooling it so it'll, it'll be cold cuts are you like like turning the milk into cheese <laughs> like i don't know yeah and then cutting holes to make it swiss yeah your assignment was to slap some sandwiches together Faye. Like, yeah, it's not. It's your fault if you took the assignment too seriously and tried to impress. I think it's a classic case of she was probably doing way, way too, ec- too much extra, and going too far. And you know she wants to make herself a martyr. Yes, yes. And then she, is this the scene too where she like says, "Oh, Helen, I'm so sorry that I said all those terrible things about you." Yeah. And she says, "What terrible things?" She says, "Oh, that was." Never mind. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was behind your back or something like that. Because Helen had been out of the room when she was grousing about the damn sandwiches. And then I think you also had a, had a note about this, but like, yeah, why is everybody being so weird about Helen's unshaved legs? This was my PC violation of the yeah. episode. Yeah. Yes. It's apropos of nothing. It figures into the plot none whatsoever. But Brian j- just asks... No, Joe actually asks, oh, Helen, why are you wearing pants? It's going to be hot out there. And she goes, oh, I didn't have time to shave my legs. And Brian, like, does a dry puke and is like, ugh, and too much information. And her and jo- him and Joe are both, like, disgusted that she didn't shave her legs. And it's 
I could see them inserting this idea if it had figured into the plot anyway whatsoever, but it doesn't. It was just like it seemed like the writers just taking a pot shot at women who don't shave their legs. Yeah, very weird. Like a photograph of like of Helen dangling like a dead fish from her fishing line with like wearing the short shorts and shaved legs and being like, there we go. There's, there's a sexy woman. You know, they didn't, Faye was wearing pants. It, 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 it was to me in a sexual context because Faye was wearing pants. Um, Brian, I think was wearing pants. Roy was wearing pants, but he just singles out Helen. And, you know, I th- just coincidentally, I recently read an article about the origin of women shaving their legs. And oh. it wasn't until the earliest, early 20th century that women really regularly shaved their body hair, armpits, legs, what have you. And it actually came from Gillette. They patented the safety razor in 1904 and advertisers after that, you know, they wanted to increase the market of how many people they can sell these razors to. So they put all these ads and papers kind of body shaming women to try to, um, convince women to start shaving and that's when it really took off interesting but that's my pc violation you got dudes shaming a woman for not shaving right in front of her whole gang of friends but then based on roy's presence brian says something like oh i wish that he wasn't going and then mm-hmm. Joe goes, oh, by the way, I'm bringing lemon wedges and paper towels to wash up that fi- dead fish smell. And Brian goes, well, now I wish I wasn't going. <laughs> yes. We know Brian's not one for g- good habits and hygiene. So the next scene is the group returning, soaking wet, except for Roy, who's like dry and just cackling. <laughs> He's saying something like, uh, fire, fire, abandoned ship. Yes. Oh. He's tearfully laughing at them hey jared fire fire abandon ship ah! <laughs> i got you i thought it was illegal to uh yell fire in a crowded theater or a um houseboat like roy's such a dick everybody's so upset and bummed and mad and like he can't read that he's just like he's the cause of this misery he's a prankster they all jumped in and got soaked but at the same time, I think if someone yelled fire and I was on a boat, I would like kind of turn around and look first before right. I just instinctively jump off the boat. You know what Roy feels like at times? Like an elementary school bully, but, w- but without that friend. Yes. Like usually like, um, you know, like like if, if this was like elementary school and like Roy was like pulling this kind of prank on his classmates, he'd have that like one sidekick that would like cackle with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. And it feels like Roy's got, like, that imaginary friend, maybe. Like, yeah. That he's, like, imagining whenever he's, like, busting the gut laughing. It, it's like he wants attention. And because he senses that he's not popular and can't get the positive attention, he'll just kind of be a jerk to get that negative attention. He, he does have the self roast though. Well, you got me back when you said there was another sausage roll and there wasn't. I guess Faye had sausage rolls on the menu. Yeah, good point. <laughs> like we talked about in a previous episode, you know, Roy does seem to set himself up for humiliation. Do you ever have like that kid that like would hit you 
And then you're like, what the fuck, man? And he goes, oh, no, it's cool. Hit me back. You can hit me oh, back. Yes. Yeah. And like, I feel like Roy's doing that to himself. He's like inflicting that that, that like reciprocal damage that he, be- that he thinks is due to him in like a way to kind of like, I don't know, in his mind, maybe balance out. And maybe he thinks that like that's giving other people that satisfaction. Yeah, he's like one of those guys who's just like, yeah, I'm a dick. I say what I feel, but it, but I can take it too, you know? And then we find out in this scene that Faye, well, because Roy says something about like, well, I'll see you guys on Thursday at Faye's for Trivial Pursuit. And again, everybody is like, how did he know about that? And of course, it's because of Faye. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's at Helen's for Trivial Pursuit. Oh, it's at Helen's. No, no, it's at Faye's. No, it's at Helen's house. It's at Faye's. Trivial Pursuit's at Helen's house. It's at Faye's. Pretty sure it's at Helen's house, isn't no, it? It's that face house. Isn't it the same house where uh, Brian tried to get sexy with Helen? Oh my god, I I'm pretty sure it's that face house, but oh my god, I could be wrong. It's it's totally the same set. Pretty sure. Is it's it the Helen's same house. set? I thought it was a different set. That's why I uh. Don't can you double check right now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Friday Night at Helen's. Yeah. Yeah. I was correct. You were totally correct. Yeah. Like, it's so funny because I was actually excited about seeing Faye's house, not realizing that I was just saying the, seeing the same old house, which is probably why when I actually saw it, I didn't feel any any actual excitement. But I'll give you the the victory of the double punch, single punch detente that we had. Uh-huh. You were correct in that, but I was correct this time. Yeah, Helen's house. So, um, yeah, Roy, as soon as like he like does not apologize for like making them all soaking wet, mm-hmm. he goes, um, yeah, you guys got me back with the sh- sausage roll thing. And then he goes, uh, Friday, Friday night, Helen's right, Trivial yep. Pursuit. <laughs> I'm really good at that. And he does this like total move to this like kind of like I'm a badass maneuver, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear that Roy's the MVP of this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I I totally concur. He had such an emotional um, arc in this, which which will become evident in our discussion here. Like he like walks away immediately. He says he makes that comment and like walks off, you know, to be dry in a different part of the airport while the rest are miserable, wrapped in towels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Helen goes, "How did he know that?" And they do a total simultaneous sitcom turn to Faye. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. More stink eye to Faye. More stink eye to Faye. I don't. The gang. Much of the gang, minus Roy, uh, walks into Joe's office to kind of discuss. Yep. Minus they Lowell do. as well. Yeah. So it's like, it's Brian, Joe, Helen, confronting Faye. Yeah. They do not want Roy to come, and but Faye makes a good point. If Roy comes, he's gonna bring his famous pasta salad. He puts the Faye back into famous. Okay. I wrote that I love Faye for this. Like, I might have mentioned something. And then Helen, like, ah, oh, Faye, when did you tell him? And we were bopping up and down on the water. And Faye's like, no, before that, Miss Sarcastic Pants, he <laughs> yes. has to come. He's making his famous pasta salad. Fresh tortellini <laughs> stuffed with basil and cheese. But also, yeah, when they're telling her, when they're trying to get Faye to uninvite Roy after this, mm-hmm. she's like, no, I can't. Please don't make me. I'm terrible at that. 
I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. No, I'm sorry, but I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. No, no way. Nuh-uh. <laughs> and, yeah, she just, and she just runs out of there, tail between her legs. Oh, I can't. Please don't make me. I'm terrible at that. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. No, I'm sorry, but I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. No, no way. Uh-uh. <laughs> I love that she's like got such strong consideration for Roy's feelings. And I yeah. feel like I do. It's like established that Roy's a dick. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, we do understand that he's a human being underneath that all. Joe kind of resolves to say, like, okay, I'll break it to Roy. Brian, you stay here. Get Roy in here. And I'm going to uninvite him, basically. Yeah, because basically he he makes Brian be there with him when he confronts Roy. He, he has an excuse for Roy. He says, you know, we're just doing this for Faye. It's going to be boring. You know, we're going to let you off the hook. But Roy immediately gets it and you know says like oh no i'm not invited because you don't like me and he starts the most amazing quivering lip crying this is some excellent acting it is but at the same time i i don't like how brian and joe are soaked because of roy roy is like a dickhead and i feel like there's got to be some acknowledgement of that like i feel like a lot of a lot of like movies and sitcoms and shows will kind of tiptoe around this whole aspect of it. Yes. Where if I was like in the situation, I'd be like, dude, you're a dick. <laughs> like, yes. Like you gotta, you gotta like treat people nice if you want them to be nice to you, which comes up later. But like, like at this point I would be like, I don't care. Like, I don't know. They're being so careful about like, like, Oh, let's just uninvite him, put him off the hook. But at the same time, you'd be like, can't you see that we're all, freaking irritated with you yeah fair point they had a good out they could have just said like hey you just got us soaked yeah we don't want you we don't want you there it's just gonna be a quiet evening you're uninvited maybe next time pal earn your way back yeah and, and do you think roy like it's it's an affectation and he kind of puts on the crying pity me poor me thing because after this, he runs into his office and is in there for 15 minutes just bawling, and they can hear him from the outside. So I got to think, like, to some extent, this is an act on Roy's part. Um, do you have your best Royce up? <laughs> his quivering lip, and then just the way you hear him. It's so pathetic, and it's, I mean, David Schwarma is, like, knocking it out of the park with this. David Schwarma. <laughs> David Schramm. Yes, David Tran. He also does this really funny thing where um, he goes, you just don't want me there, do you? And Brian, I think Brian goes, basically no. And then he does this like, <laughs> like any kind of angry finger pointing at each of them. Like he's going to like give them a piece of their mind. And he just starts, <laughs> lip starts quivering. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's so good. It's such a great pathetic cry. And like. I don't know if you've ever been in the scenario where you cry in front of coworkers. I have, and it's like a very like humbling, embarrassing kind of emotion you're going through. I don't think I have really. Yeah. Like, what were you like mourning something? Sorry, to pry, no. but <laughs> now I remember one time I I quit a job and like in the process of the conversation with my boss, I started like crying and it was like super embarrassing. And it came out of nowhere. I didn't think I was going to cry. And, you know, hey, I did. Yeah. I've always been pretty good about, like, not crying, but in front of other people. But I don't know. As I get older, I think it becomes 
maybe harder to control your emotions. A lifetime of suppressing those bad boys, you know. Eventually. <laughs> my friend, one of my friends, like my sister called me like when I was at work one day and she was like, your friend died. Like my, he was like my best friend in high school. And um, I hadn't spoken to him in years and years and years, but like, it was always like that kind of thing where I had such fond memories of him and like getting that news at work was just like, Oh man. And so I was like sitting next to my coworker and I was just kind of like, I my just found out that my friend died. And like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, I think I might need to like take a minute. I'm not sure. Like I just kind of had that sort of far off dazed sort of like, you know, how do I pretend to have emotions so people don't think, that I'm uh, a conniving robot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that side of it, too. Huh? <laughs> but the, the the only way Roy could have cried better is if he had, like, a little spittle coming out of his mouth. Oh, my God. <laughs> I saw a kid uh, puke in Ralph's one day. His mom had her back turned, and then all of a sudden he puked on the floor, and he, like, immediately started crying after that. And he got he, – he had – uh, he had like the post puke snot coming out of his nose and oh, was God. crying and drooling. And it was the one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene is the crew. And I just said, now I know why they call it Ralph's. Oh. Yeah, but before we get to the next scene, I did like Brian's tag at the end of that where he's like, where Brian still wants him to make the pasta salad. <laughs> yeah. Um oh yeah, so we go to the next scene and Roy is like in the in like a closed behind a closed door sobbing. They're all hanging out at the Aeromass desk. Yes. Cuz yeah. Roy's in his office, yeah. Yeah, and it's the four so it's like Faye Helen. I guess did did Lowell not come back with them? Was like did Lowell just hang out on the boat? He stayed home that day and didn't go in at all. They went on the boat with him and then they are all they all abandoned ship and then he hung out to uh but i don't you know because know, he also is like the general maintenance guy too so he probably had stuff to do with aeromass planes that day i mean roy's roy's not there maybe he's off through the day yeah maybe you know here, here's what i picture happening uh roy does that whole thing fire fire abandon ship the four of them jump into the water you know you got Faye, helen uh joe and brian lowell stands there hands on his hip funny usually when there's a fire i see flames <laughs> yeah, yes. and so like when they when they drop them when like they come back to to dock uh they're all like lol you need to come with us back to the airport no i think i'll stick around and try to figure out this fire that that roy was yes. talking about yes <laughs> good point and it is his home after all so maybe he felt maybe he grabbed like a fire extinguisher when roy yelled fire and Started going to work at the Invisible Fire. Oh man, I hope that like in future seasons we get to see the boat. I don't. I don't think we're gonna get to see that boat. We probably won't, but like I hope that we do. I'm just, I can hold out hopes. It's tough. How are you gonna get the studio audience down to the harbor, or how are you gonna get like a bunch of water inside of a um, TV studio? Okay, is there a studio audience? There is. Yeah, which there I. Is. I wasn't positive about until I recently read the um, excellent Bob Lezak book. Uh, the there once was a show from Nantucket, and 
there definitely was a studio audience and no kidding okay that's awesome yeah i cannot I, think, I cannot wait to read that book which because knowing that um they have a studio audience i actually listened a bit more keenly and there was in this particular episode there was a woman in the audience who had an over the top laugh it was she was like cackling and you could really like make out her voice that like i like that a lot too because i wrote like kind of a snarky comment in my notes basically saying i thought that we were um experiencing a laugh track and so i wrote a co- mm-hmm. kind of a snarky comment about the laugh track yeah it, and i kind of assumed it was a laugh track because it didn't do the thing where it's like wings was filmed before a live studio audience right it didn't you do that you don't you don't get a lot of woo yeah so they're all on the counter roy's sobbing in the back room and then helen says something like you know we really shouldn't be laughing about this which of course makes them all burst into laughter Yes. And we've all been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, laughing at inappropriate times. Someone's having the worst moment of their life, but you can't help but find it funny. Oh, I was like walking to um, El Pollo Loco. <laughs> this is like years ago, but I was walking, walking like through Sherman Oaks to El Pollo Loco. And there's this guy like maybe four ho- houses away where like he's walking toward me. I'm walking toward him. And he like his toe must have like just hit like a, <laughs> a divot in the in the road. And he just like stumbles, does like just like a real brief, quick stumble. And I was just like, here's a stranger. He just had a really shitty moment. And I was just like walking forward, eyes like on the horizon, (laughs) just in my head going, don't react, don't laugh, don't react, you don't laugh, you know, in my head. And like 15 feet away from each other, I just like, I can't help it. I laugh. (laughs) And the guy goes, I know, I know. (laughs) <laughs> he said i know i know yeah and i was like i'm sorry so we're we are uh in this scene where they're like all laughing at roy he's sobbing he yes. comes he comes out of the back like you know they they're like roy we're really sorry you know if we we'd like you to be there he's like all of you and that, i think this is where brian does that great smile a snide little look it's so good yeah he does this like total i i i think it might qualify as a shit-eating grin and Roy is just frothing at the mouth after this, and he yells at them through gritted teeth, you people are dead in my eyes. Like, we'll work together, we'll just, we'll be around each other, but beyond that, outside of that, I don't want to know you, I don't want to see you, I don't want to talk to you. If you see me behind the curtains at the local video store, just know <laughs> that I'm looking for some real big tits. I want <laughs> <laughs> but Brian still wants him to make the pasta salad. I also love Kiss Off. Oh my God. Well, in that case, Kiss Off. <laughs> that's, that's that's why Roy is the VIP of this episode. He has so many emotional beats. I don't need people who turn their back on a man who is obviously lonely and wanting wanting of a little friendship. This scene especially is where I want them to be like. We've tried to give you chances, but you're such a dick. Yeah. Like, I hate that it hasn't come out this way, man, but, like, you're a dick. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we would we care about you. Like, I don't know. But he, Roy does get a little bit of that kind of um, come to Jesus talk in the next scene when when uh, right. we dissolve to the hangar. Joe's mm-hmm. waxing the plane. Roy comes in dog-eared and... 
kind of like doing a, a repeat of that Brian scene when Brian wants to like approach to talk to Joe about how would how would Joe feel if like Brian you know made the moves on Helen before the mm-hmm. basketball game. Yeah, he's hemming and hawing. He tells a long-winded story about his love and passion for his first plane. He does a lot of like uh, putting, like resting his fist on a surface and then hitting it. He opens the window of the plane, kind of peeks inside, and then closes it. Yeah. <laughs> I like he jang- jangles his keys in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Which he's and- got a good. He's got those loose kind of. Uh, parachute slacks and so when when you get the coins and keys jangle in there it makes a nice little uh sound it really does <laughs> i think croy's got more ties in this episode than brian's and yeah. although none of them are like over the top fun they're probably closer to ties that i would actually wear <laughs> yeah he's got he's got those wide t- thick ties that have a repeating pattern on them and are very colorful. Like the swinging seventies guy he is. I like the patterns. But I don't like the width. I like a skinnier tie. There was a time in my life where I really liked wide ties, but I'm a, I'm a skinny tie boy now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a very sweet scene. Yeah. Roy is there to kind of get some advice, roll back on his anger and ire and kind of patch things up. Kind of acknowledge that he might be a little bit to blame for like the way that he's being treated and say like, how do you get people to like you without having to like people, which is such a funny thing. And I like what he said to Joe where he's like, even I, Joe, everyone likes you. Even I like you and I can't stand you. Yes. I love that line. (laughs) I think I wrote that down even. It's so good. Heck, even I like you and I can't stand you. And he delivers that line really great. And Joe, for his part, he reminds Roy that Roy's a big dick and just fall, t- encourages him to follow the golden rule and be don't try to be nice. Be nice to people. I also wrote there's like fun background decor in this scene because you see like the tool, the big tool dresser. What do you call that? Like yeah, the thing on wheels where you can roll yeah. it out. And they sell them at Harbor Freight. And you can. Yeah. I've always wanted to have a garage so I could have one of those. Oh man, they're so cool. And then it's also got like. A bunch of like framed kind of like airplane pennants or something like like gold it almost looks like the kind of like thing that you'd buy in the back of like a reader's digest magazine mm. collect all 14 commemorative like uh gold coins and it's just like a bunch of like n- you know like that that aren't actually legal tender that t-shirt yes helen <laughs> not helen keller uh helen uh, keller Amelia was the, Earhart. <laughs> helen keller was the blind deaf pilot right yeah she was blind deaf and dumb and she could help fly a hell of a plane so i wrote in my notes i wrote the plane in the scene did it fly or was it an inoperable plane that they bought just for the show and so i did a little bit of research about the plane from wingsfandom.com the cessna n121pp cessna nevada 121 papa papa was a Cessna Model 402 and the sole aircraft of Sandpiper Air. Owner Joe Hackett often treats it as his most prized possession. The series actually used three aircrafts for various scenes during production. One, 1989 Cessna 411 N121PP. The N121PP was destroyed in 1996 near the end of the series. Two, 1981 Cessna 402Cs. 
N121PB and N160PB, these two planes are still active as of 2022 and operating with Cape Air out of Hyannis, Massachusetts. Cape Air's slogan is, We're Your Wings. So you, you can uh, fly out of Massachusetts and actually be on that plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny that like Roy and uh, Joe are like a little bit connecting on like Roy reminiscing about his first plane and how much it meant to him, and then immediately admitting to insurance fraud. <laughs> yes, he's just like, I burned it to the ground, made a bundle on insurance money. Yes. <laughs> like, yikes, dude. In your plane research, uh, did you find if, do they use a different plane when they're actually shooting inside of the plane? Like shooting scenes where... You know what? I did not read about that. I wonder if they had a, find... like a set plane that's easier to get the cameras up to and stuff. The one that we see in this episode is the one that was destroyed in 1996, near the end of the series. Yeah, because they would have been shooting this in early '90 or late '89. So yeah, this is the N one two one PP. Okay, I wonder how it got destroyed. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, like, I wonder if like if it's also if they occasionally um, destroy airplanes just because they're like past their usefulness, mm-hmm. or scrap them for parts and stuff. Speaking of like Roy's childlike characteristics i loved when he's kind of sheepishly talking to joe and he just has his right foot on the ground and he's like weaving little circles with the tip of his toe it's a very like cartoonish <laughs> like a cartoonish mouse that's an orphan it's like sure i can't have some more porridge he's pro he's gonna promise to be more nice and uh joe re-invites him to trivial pursuit night at helen's Use the advice I'm giving you and, like, you know, let's try to, like, find a common ground. One of the best bits of writing is, like, as he's leaving, Roy stumbles on his words and calls him Joe instead of Hackett. He usually calls people by his last name, but now he chooses to call Joe Joe. Like, he's trying to be more human and personable. Following scene, we're at Helen's now, right? Yeah, and this is the the final scene of the show. It it was all building up to this epic game of Trivial Pursuit. By the way, I love that a plot of a major network primetime show hinges on just a couple of friends playing Trivial Pursuit. Friday night at Helen's. Trivial Pursuit, right? Faye, you invited Roy for Friday night, didn't you? <laughs> Give me 10 minutes with him, Lieutenant. I'll get it out of him. <laughs> My my parents for sure like got together with other um, adults and played Trivial Pursuit. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of like that was a very '80s kind of activity. There's different editions, and if you had like the Prime Edition, some of those questions are really dang hard. You got to get like a specialized edition, like they had a TV edition and st- stuff like that. We were in Berkeley and we were at a bar, and they had Trivial Pursuit on the shelf. And after like an hour and a half of playing like i think each of us maybe had one wedge a single wedge yes and like the questions because like the addition that we were playing must have been like something that they like that the bar picked up at a local thrift store or something because it was like it was like like you know this the year that we were playing this was like 2010 maybe and the questions were like um who who did richard nixon shakes shake hands with when he got off the airplane um, at 
Horval Field in 1973 prior to something or other. Like, oh, I actually know would... this. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah, it was. Um, oh, hold on, Anne Margaret. <laughs> like we, the edition we had at home was my dad's that he probably bought in the 70s. So it was already out of date in the 90s, and yeah, we had a hell of a time ever answering questions on that. We would just cheat and say like, you know, you draw a card and just like basically read any question you off that the the reader would choose what they thought was the easiest one off the card yeah you gotta do that for certain games like in order for it to be like remotely fun you have to like kind of bend the rules a little bit mm-hmm. so this this scene opens up with joe kind of like trying to reassure the group and he goes like you guys you guys should have seen roy the other night he was like a little boy and then lol says did he still have the mustache <laughs> 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 yeah then roy comes in and I, I like love the way that he like he hands off two bowls and he's like, Oh, so that's the fresh dill. Like, let me know when you're ready to stir because I like to add it in at the end real fresh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they say, Oh, it's like a real gourmet. Mm-hmm. And then Brian has like a kind cool. of cringe joke where he pats Roy's belly and um makes a makes a body size joke and Yeah, Roy says, I like to have a creative outlet. Um it like Adds to something, and then, like, Brian, yeah, pats him on the belly. That's not the only outlet it provides you with, huh? <laughs> but Roy doesn't let it get to him, lets it roll off of him. Right, he keeps on getting, it's like one of those those sitcom scenes where he keeps on getting, like, nudged and elbowed by Joe, kind of, like, reminding him to try to, like, be mm-hmm. more civil, roll with the punches. Before we get too far into it, I gotta say my favorite thing about this whole scene was we see Lowell in civilian clothes i think for the first time oh right like he's no wearing, hat we yeah s- we see his hair and he had on cowboy boots i thought it was so cool yeah he's wearing cowboy boots it's like wearing like like kind of like a red undershirt right mm-hmm. with like a white overshirt oh um, shit hey jared i gotta go my cat's uh cleaning herself i gotta go make sure that she doesn't miss the spot all right fine i'll be right back poop, poop. wing 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 Lines ringing. Wing, 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 wing. Oh yeah. Um. Hello. International line connecting. Oh, international. What the? F- what the hell's hello? going on? Hello. Yes. Who's oh, this? Is you this sound British. This is Wings Nuts. Oh, it's me, Marco Hackett, from the superior version of Wings. Wings the Legacy. The what? 19. Yeah, I'm from the 1996 version of the TV show Wings. The one that aired in the UK, the one that was far superior. Are you talking like that one one off uh TV pilot that never aired again? You admit to me right now, you better fucking admit to it, that the British office is much better than the American office. People are always saying oh, that boy. like, oh, do you like uh ghosts? Well, uh oh the British one's way better, like It's far superior. You know, I actually saw the uh, 1990s American Doctor Who, and I think it's way better than the British version. Oh, uh, boo on you, posh, posh. 
yes, we only did two or three episodes of the British version of Wings, The Legacy, but that's how we do things in Britain. We make things perfect, we make them brief, we make them small. I, I will mother. say, you know, the U.S. does get away with stealing a lot of British properties, and they don't always quite live up to um, what the Brits make. But uh, in this case, are you really going to argue that the Sandpiper uh, air uh, of... Uh, of Nantucket oh, is better than wait. the Sam is worse than the Sandpiper air of I, Jersey, UK. Uh, far worse. Humor. Does that word function within your brain stems? Our Roy, far fatter. Our Helen, far previously fatter, and then far skinnier. Within the series, me, Michael, far more of an OCD guy than Joe. Your Brian couldn't compare to our Stephen Hackett. Uh, same name, by the way, Stephen Hackett as Stephen Weber, and on our show, uh, the character of Stephen Hackett was being played by an actor named Brian Weber, which I thought was very, very thoughtful on the part of our producers. All right. Um, any other differences you want to highlight between the superior UK wings and the inferior US wings? Well, on your show, you used the theme song based on a song by Schubert. And yes. on our version, we used uh, an Everclear song that was quite good. Everclear? Yes, the opening is an Everclear song. It's, I, I understand that they're an American band, but obviously yeah. they're heavily inspired by the very, very, very great British rock stars that came before. And then during our end credits, we used <laughs> Closing Time. Wow, another American song. I, I will admit one thing to you. That uh, I do enjoy a little bit of American music because it just reminds me of how superior British music okay. is. Okay, yeah, I would have thought during the era of uh, Britpop that we would have had Blur or Oasis. Uh. And so I've got to go, but it's been quite a pleasure talking to you, and um, I look forward to hearing the far superior version of your podcast on British Podcast Network. Wings Nuts the Legacy. <laughs> And cheerio, you cunt, I can say that because it's uh, not a slur in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Holy, holy shit, I can't believe the uh, the UK counterpart to Joe Hackett just called in. Don't forget to lick your left paw. Your left paw. Your, okay, sorry. Yeah, there she is. She's, she's got did, it all. Did you calm that cat down? Yeah, yeah, She. I got her to like make sure that she didn't miss any spots. So she's okay. fully clean. The British version of Joe Hackett, uh, Michael Hackett, called in. Wow. The whole scene kind of progresses as, you know, we'll see a round and then they'll dissolve to later on. And they do that about four or five times where we just see the evening wearing on and progressively moving along. And of course, to like really challenge Roy in his attempt to be like more civil with the group, he ends up getting teamed up with Lowell. Yes. The, wor the worst possible player. And Lowell also demands to be captain. And Lowell is like a terrible captain. <laughs> He's Lowell does not confer with his teammate. He just answers right away every time. Yeah. The number one thing you have to do if you're like, if you're on a team is like you have to like talk to your teammate and decide on what, what you guys want to do. I can see why Lowell's kids never let him be captain. Yeah. Be <laughs> can I, can I be captain Roy? My kids <laughs> never let me. <laughs> with a sad sack story come on Lowell and then Lowell, Lowell is just like a dick answers right away mm -hmm. even when Joe says like Roy asks can we confer but can you say final answer before uh, 
recording our answer and joe says sure i can do that is that your final answer and lol just goes yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and lol answers and margaret to every single question that's the real crux of the whole scene is it's a running Lola. gag like even the okay the rosa parks question which roy should have known yeah, I mean, that that just makes me think Roy is like a racist if he doesn't retain any of the most basic civil rights facts. It starts off like the very first time that it comes up. I think Anne Margaret is like a somewhat acceptable answer. She's a redheaded mm-hmm. actress, even yeah. though it's clear that it's Lucille Ball to anyone anywhere. Yes, you know that's fine. But then is the following question about the biggest collector or? Or is it who did so and so hunt? Yes, uh, uh, Eli, Eli Wiesenthal was it? Yeah, the Nazi yeah. hunter. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the, Margaret. And then who's the biggest uh, collector of silver? The biggest and, like holder of silver, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen her Vegas act? Yes. Can we add that to the to the Lolisms that Lol apparently like enjoys Vegas act? Good call. Yeah. I did put in there that he answers Anne Margaret for every trivial pursuit question. I mean, yeah. he, he does have a, his point is I've played this game plenty of times and yes. I know her name is an answer to one of these questions. Yeah. I actually think that's such a funny justification. Cause like, yeah, Roy is like, why do you keep on saying Anne Margaret? And he's like, Roy, I played this game before. And I know the answer to one of these questions is <laughs> Anne Margaret, which I think is so funny. Yeah. Like it's it is kind of like a funny like dumb person justification as to why you would say that. I played this game before and trust me. And Margaret is the answer to one of these questions. <laughs> I also wrote down that like Joe's tick 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 is really annoying. <laughs> Super annoying. And he's like, not as as good at the sound effects as Brian. No. And like if you're like running if you're like a board game host i guess i understand like having the hourglass or having like a countdown timer but you can't just sit there the whole time like pressuring them with like clicking noises we mostly just hear the the questions that are being pointed to roy uh roy and lowell but i did like that when uh, brian got a question wrong uh the question was um what what sense is closely related uh, to memory. To memory. And he gets it wrong and he goes, oh. Ding, sorry. The answer is smell. I forgot the question. What sense is closely linked to memory? Oh, that's right. My nose is stuffed up. I can't remember a thing. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, Brian's like very muted this episode, but he still like is being very funny. Yeah, like um, he's always, we can count on Stephen Weber to always have some business going on. And... I liked when um, we open up after a dissolve and he's just, he has that kind of meat on a stick in his hand and he's kind of inspecting it and smelling it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's some, that's some good business. And um, I, I caught a little bit of insight into Joe and Helen's evolving relationship as well. There's a little moment where Joe leans in and picks up a little pasta salad off Helen's plate and pops it in his mouth. And I thought it was just kind of an intimate, kind of very comfortable thing that, uh, even though not a lot happens in this episode, there's a slight progression of the Joe Helen relationship. Well, th- did you watch the subtitles? No, no, I didn't. Oh, so you didn't hear what he says when he does that? Uh uh-uh, oh, what's he? Because he like he grabs the the piece of pasta from her plate and eats it, and then he goes, "I better eat that, or she'll eat it and get fat again." <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> not really. Darn it, Joe. Darn it. 
Not really. <laughs> you know, I thought the hairy legs comment would be the the worst uh, offense from Joe in this episode, but I was wrong. So what eventually, like, what's the... Oh, it, it, I think it's when... Is it when Lowell tells him, I played this before, and I know the answer to one of these is Anne Margaret, that, that Roy is finally like, all right, that's it. I'm changing yes. teams. And he just, like, walks over and, like, just tells Brian to be on Lowell's team. Yeah. I love he, how, like, easy everybody is just like, whatever. Yeah, and he joins Faye's team. Mm-hmm. And the but, very first question. Yeah, the very first question they get is obviously... The answer is Anne Margaret, and Roy will not answer it. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you could see him cracking, like his mind is busting. And even though he knows it's Anne Margaret, he answers Ida Lupino. And I didn't know. I I didn't really know who either of those people were when I looked up Anne Margaret to see who she was. The very first thing that came up was like a Flintstones thing. Ida Lupino. I I did look up, and it turns out, um. I had seen one of her films and like last year, I think, and I actually loved it called The Hitchhiker. She's a, I read through her Wikipedia and she's a very I'm going to have to go check out more of her movies because she's a very interesting figure. She was like a uh, pretty popular actor. I think she was on contract with Warner Brothers and she was uh, known for kind of pushing back on the directors and writers and rewriting her lines. Eventually, she just walked out on Warner Brothers and set up her own company called the filmmakers company with her husband and she they they went on to make a lot of movies together and she would write and direct and um, one of her innovations is she was one of the first people to uh, put product placement in her movies to get financing but based on her interesting uh, biography and and uh, I mean I would recommend The Hitchhiker it's a really good movie and I'm gonna go back and watch more of her movies can you give me like a quick uh IMDb synopsis of the Hitchhiker. Yeah, I, I would say it's like a a pre. It's probably in that. It probably fits in like the film noir wheelhouse, but it mm-hmm. it seems like it's very much like of this era, uh, kind of a true crime story. I think it was even based on a true story. But a a hitchhiker is kind of ravaging the um the Southwest area, and he he hitchhikes with these two dudes and basically holds them at gunpoint and makes them uh, try to orchestrate, help him with his getaway. And it's, you know, it's mostly the three of them for the whole movie and just the tension of, of this trip to, I think they're going they're in Mexico and like trying to escape uh, through there. Interesting. Okay. Oh, and Margaret is Anna Margaret rock. Wow. Yeah. On the Flintstones. <laughs> I found some like footage of her like performing live, and she's like really captivating looking performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Ida Lupini was wrong. The answer is Anna Margaret, and Roy yeah. finally like has his tantrum. He picks up like the um <laughs> yes the little box that holds the game the game cards, cards and dumps them out. <laughs> it's it's very funny. Like it's also funny like like mapping that out. Like we want you to like this, to destroy the, the whole Trivial Pursuit, and it's like. Yeah, pick up the, the container of cards and dump them out. Pick up, I guess, some of the case pieces and dump out the pies. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It was my favorite moment of the episode because he is he's in a frenzy and he's making like this noise like and he's like shaking and like his perfectly glued down hair is flying up. It's I don't know the the. The physicality of it is just hilarious, and the the noise he's making while he's doing it. Get him out of town! 
I tried, Hackett. I really did. But you didn't say anything about Lowell being my partner. No one could have taken that. No one on this earth. No offense, Lowell. None taken, Roy. Yeah. Roy's got great physicality in general. Because mm-hmm. he does like a lot of like the little like little hand movements, the little snaps. Like like before he like uh rolls the dice, he like you know, kinda like snaps. He yeah. like does a lot of like kind of pulling up I don't I feel like it's like a very like nineteen I don't know, yeah, sixties type acting. Like he's a also daddy-o, got kind of like, hey, daddy oh. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like he swallowed James Dean or something. <laughs> But yeah, so Roy storms out. Oh, and um, like he's like yelling at everybody, like just just giving a piece of his mind, and he's like goodbye. And then Lowell's bye, bye, Roy. <laughs> like just yeah, hanging just... Out. <laughs> you gotta love happen. Lowell, the guy who incited this whole fiasco, yeah. and just like casual, yeah, cool. just being clueless about like why Roy is like so crazy and sensed. <laughs> and Roy. then, and then Roy, of course. Burst back in. Oh no, they they talk about like, well, one of us should probably go get him and calm him down. And Brian decides he'll do it, but before he can even get up, yes. Roy bursts back in to get his pasta bowl and goes, oh, "So I'll see you guys Sunday at Joe's." Yeah, and he's all all calm with it too. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, after it fades to black, you just hear Faye say, "He's making cornbread." Oh yeah. <laughs> I love the idea too that like Roy is maybe like the best chef on this island or something. Yeah, he's a dick, but you gotta love his cooking. Yeah, I like the episode a lot, and I like seeing the sort of pathetic humanity of Roy. Like we're seeing mm-hmm. kind of like a more vulnerable side of Roy, which is nice. Which is like I think kind of cool. Like it's almost more fun since he kind of serves that role as being kind of like the foil maybe to Joe's protagonist airline. Yes, he's like Roy the bigger, badder, more successful airline that has, like, you know, like, a little bit, you know, the whole ka-ching, ka-ching thing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But we're actually got kind of seeing who the person is underneath it all, which is kind of nice. Yes. It, it gives it more depth. And I said so that I wrote, I relate to Faye, and I think that, like, I think in that air, airline setting, I would probably be a Faye. I'd be the kind of person that would kind of bridge. Like, when I worked at, at the record store, we had a, a boss that a lot of people like didn't like it's kind of, he was kind of a dick mm-hmm. and if you're listening to this i apologize charles but i mean you he well so he's the kind of guy like w- like when a customer would come up and buy like sixpence none the richer all right we'll say sixpence none the richer and charles would you know as he's ringing them up like doing the scan gun poop he's like oh yep i uh it's always interesting to me whenever i find that people like this sort of trite high school journal type of, you know, basically like insulting the customer to their face while he sells it to them. And I always thought it was kind of funny, but like, I don't think that he was doing it. And that's an, that's an exaggeration for sure. But like, yeah, I don't think that he was doing it to be mean necessarily. I think that he, he was like trying to have that conversation with them. Like, yeah, let's have like a kind of like, um, but I saw him at, and I, I always liked Charles a lot. And, we, and like, on the nights that I ha- that I worked with them, I like would enjoy him, kind of talking to me about what was going on and like whatever things. I'm like a good listener, especially yes. when you're like doing a six hour shift and they're the people. And so I saw him at like Blue Palms Brewery, and he went from being like a prog a prog rock snob to being a beer snob. 
<laughs> and he was like a couple few beers in and he was like he's like you know i realized like uh i was kind of like a dick back then you know kind of wanted to apologize for like uh kind of being a jerk back in the, Mo- the moby disc days and stuff and i was like oh that's fine like i always got along with you i thought you were cool and then he was like huh you're drinking a stout huh i guess uh this is true. People do still drink those. <laughs> like <laughs> he's still kind of the same guy, but he's just moved, moved from music to like beer. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, I wrote that I hate seeing people being left out, which is also I'm sure that's how Faye feels about it. Uh, and I'm pretty good at connecting friends with other friends, which has happened quite a bit. I've like I've connected friend groups, mm-hmm. and I wrote that Roy is a dick, and I think that's an element of the storyline. That gets conveniently abandoned when when everybody is feeling sad about Roy sobbing. And I wrote, yeah, this is like what I said earlier. They came home soaked. Let's hear about yeah. why that makes you mad. They are justified in their rejection of Roy as a group member. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. What would you uh, rate this? I think I'm going to go. I realized I did give one episode so far over three. I gave one like 3.25. Mm-hmm. And I think I might do that again i think i'm gonna go three three stripes and one wing yeah i'm gonna say three stripes um i felt it was kind of a slight episode in that you know what we had one very simple story there wasn't high stakes in this but what i really appreciated is it it was an episode that highlighted uh, roy who's more of a side character and Mm -hmm. dealt with that that theme of like friendship and and you know and and just david uh shawarma's performance was <laughs> Shram. Shram's performance <laughs> was so lovely in it so on paper it was probably would probably be a two stripe but just through the execution it's a three stripe episode yeah i love seeing just like roy hot doggin and i hope yeah. that we get like more like just roy centric episodes where it's less about him you know, being pathetic and more about him. I don't know. It'd be fun to see him. Like, like Roy, Roy gets caught for like maybe swindling an investor and he's got to pull like some strings to try to like get, figure out a way to get out of that and stuff. But I don't know. Like, it'd be fun to see like, like a real, almost like a Miller's crossing featuring Roy. Yes. (laughs) He's like playing all sides against each other. (laughs) Well, Emerson, do you think we have talked out this episode of Wings? Yes, absolutely. Great. I would encourage everyone listening to return next week when we will be talking about the season two, episode five of the series called A Stand-Up Kind of Guy. And if you want to do us a favor, why don't you follow us on your preferred podcast application and maybe throw us a rating. Emerson, thank you so much. Look for us in the sunny skies on the next episode of Wings Nuts. Do, 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 do. Meow, meow, meow.